0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Since I am recording the intro to this after I did the entirety of the morning roundup because of some issues, uh, the time is now. 10.53 10:53 a.m. however it, i should have started actually recording at about 9 but it is still the 6th of august 2020 this is episode whatever yeah uh, 265 of bitcoin and although my heart did go out to guy swan at the crypto uh, the crypto economy because his hard drive failed and he lost all of his shit he has since then gotten it all back so let's let's see what happened um I had written a tweet that, you know, because I'd heard about this thing, uh, from a tweet from uh, Guy Swan himself, and it lit a fire under my ass. It sure as shit did, because at the time that that I wrote this tweet, uh, I thought that his uh situation could possibly be unrecoverable, which means all of his all of his audio is gone and the only way to get it back is to download each and every individual episode that he ever recorded from the site that he put them up on and just thinking about that makes me kind of gag. I mean, at least it's there and he could possibly get it back, but Oh my God, dude, could you imagine one by one? He's up to like 450 episodes. Okay. So keep that shit in mind. Anyway. So my tweet says hearing about Guy Swan's hard drive failure and subsequent loss of all his stuff. And that's a mountain of audio lit a fire under my ass bought a one terabyte drive and am backing up all my shit even though I have a RAID. Guy, I am so hoping for recovery. Thankfully, he writes back and says, well, actually, hold on. First, he says, uh, oh yeah, okay. Thankfully, he writes back and says, glad I could help spread the lesson. Happy to report, drive is back in action and all the data was copied to another drive the second I had it back. All is good. Okay, so even though Thank God that guy got all this stuff back. Let this be a lesson. And there are some people that are so paranoid about their data that they've got this thing called a Drobo. And I want one because I'm starting to get paranoid about my data. I mean, I just am. It's a bay, a a hard drive bay that sits external to your computer and you just shove hard drives in it. It used to be that all the hard drives had to be the exact same size. I do believe that you can get away with putting in like slightly different size drives, and it won't freak out. But what it does is like there's one that has a bay of five, and you shove five hard drives into it. They all have the exact same copy of the data, five times backed up, five times. And there's been a couple of photographers that I know that that have these thing that have these things, and what they do is every time they fill up a drive. They take all the drives out out of the, their five-bay one. They mail one to like a relative. They take another one, put drop it in a safety deposit box. And then they take another one and put it somewhere else. And then they take another one and put it under their freaking pillow. And then they take the fifth one. And I don't know what they do with it, but they put it somewhere else. And then they load up their Drobo with five fresh drives. A very expensive proposition, especially when I was listening to these guys because a terabyte drive at the time that I found this podcast about photography was, I don't know, I think terabyte was about 500 bucks at the time. And this is before the onset of widespread SSD uh, or the solid state drives uh, type type data storage. So again, if you can, if you can afford it and you've got shit that you don't want to lose, back it up and put it somewhere else. That way, if your house burns down, at least you got a copy of it. Moving on, the lightning torch, in a way, is back only very uh, for, for a very brief time, and it was passed around in meat space. Okay, Coin Corner Danny, uh, that's at Coin Corner Danny, aka Danny Scott, uh, says we made eleven Bitcoin lightning payments in a row in. Two minutes and twenty seconds, which is the max length for Twitter. Can you beat that, Team Coin Corner? (laughs) Nice. And he posts a video of literally somebody showing an invoice on a phone. It's a circle of people, and they start at at the top end of the circle, and they just go to the left. And the guy passes, like you know, shows the, the guy to the left shows the guy on the right an invoice, and the guy on the right takes a picture of it on his phone and sends it to the guy on the left. Rinse and repeat all the way around the horn, 11 payments, 2 minutes 20 seconds. You can't even process that much in like a grocery store, even if you, I mean literally, you would even if you had the checkout uh, checkout person be able to know exactly what everybody had already bought, I doubt very seriously that in 2 minutes and 20 seconds you'd be able to just run a credit card 11 times. And have full, you have full payment. Maybe, I mean, but the, the even if you could, the fact that Lightning can do this with just phone to phone, you know, picture taking is amazing. It really is. So let's see, what else is going on in the community? Uh, Rob Sorrow is, hit my radar yesterday with his website, Building Bitcoin. And he has a, a tweet thread uh, as of yesterday after I did the show and I want to read it. Because it says, we need to restore accountability to the economic order. A recap from today's Swan Signal with Corey Clipston and BreedLev22. Those are both their their uh, uh, Twitter, Twitter handles. Uh, he goes on, inflation is a form of counterfeiting that has been exacerbated by the redemption certificates, i.e. fiat. Fiat currency is a political tool that facilitates the institutionalization of time theft perpetrated by central banks around the world in creating Bitcoin. Satoshi gave people the ability to opt out of unethical money production that has plagued society for decades. And in doing so, provided the first check in a growing toolkit toward the path of sovereign individuality, money is tied to time. Therefore... Those with the ability to print it limit society's ability to reach its full capitalistic potential in a way. They're slave masters, always giving in to temptation for personal gain. Hard money allows ideas to be settled for good, uh, good based on a shared recognition, not shared belief. The very existence of Bitcoin allows to uh, uh, excuse me. The very existence of Bitcoin allows us to market test the philosophical battle between Austrian and Keynesian schools of thought. Money is the foundation of society. If it is shaky and therefore un- or able to be debased, this leads to ripple effects and a non-optimal society. Fiat incentivizes debt accumulation, which birthed the euro-dollar spider web. The euro-dollar credit market is basically a debt trap from which only the U.S. can provide forgiveness. Thus, it is not about the U.S. short on dollars, but the rest of the world. The Fed has increased the monetary supply 12 times or 12x in order to keep the USD around for longer than good. Collapse is not something that is going to happen overnight, but rather it occurs gradually and then suddenly. The economy is fragilized by the shortcomings of fiat currency. Rather than save for a rainy day that inevitably comes, central banks choose to manipulate the monetary supply, thus bringing to light the shortcomings of a large government model. We need to humble ourselves and realize we cannot manage complex systems. The unexpected will happen and we must position ourselves to benefit from volatility by minimizing loss. Always manage the downside first. By pushing things off, we only exacerbate the vol- the future volatility. Nothing new enters the system when CBs create uh, dollars out of thin air, CBs being central banks. It only contributes to wealth inequality between those who own assets and those less fortunate not to. Every tool is a weapon if you hold it right. I've said Bitcoin is a weapon several times. Intrinsic value is true for human life. Respect for the environment and the world around you. The digital renaissance gives everyone a chance to get back to their roots. The more that take the time to do so allow for the best ideas to rise to the surface. We have come a long way when it comes to technology, but not so much when it comes to culture and family. Even great minds like Eric R. Weinstein and Peter Thiel could not figure out the reasons for this. Could it have to do with 1971? Only time will tell. Remember, trust, don't verify. Or wait, God, what? (laughs) Jesus. Remember, don't trust, verify. The complete video is below. So that's his thread. I just wanted to read that to you because it is a reminder. We are in some weird ass times my dad never saw this. His dad saw the depression. I, you know, I know that much. Uh, my grandfather and my grandmother, they, they lived through the depression, but I guarantee you, it was probably not this freaking weird. It, uh, it, the depression at that time probably made relative sense, even though it sucked to the people that had to live through it. But if you were to take my grandma or my grandpa And you know, resurrect their ass and put them in today's time. They'd probably go, put me back in the ground right now. I'm done with his shit. I don't even want to even try to understand it because it's just that crappy. Okay, but good times, good times will come. Be optimistic. God knows I am because that last one where he was talking about those people that try to use these things to get back to roots are gonna, they're, we're, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. Learn how to raise chickens. That's a root. You know, at least having some capability of, of, uh, you know, feeding at least a handful of calories to your ass through your own hands without killing these animals. You know, that's that's something. And I wanna see that grow. I wanna see that grow not just within me. I wanna see it grow within everybody so that food is freaking everywhere. We've allowed grocery stores to be our central outlet for mega corporations that grow all the food, and they're growing crap. And that never needed to happen. Ask yourself this, why, why did that happen? Again, it goes down to what the fuck happened in 1971. Secretary of Agriculture, under Richard Nixon, Butts, told all the farmers, go big and grow commodity crops from fence row to fence row or you are not going to survive. And what happened? Family farm after family farm after family farm for all the decades since folded up and had to sell their land to the conglomerate that just ate acreage like a cancer. And that's where we're at. We can get back to it. Bitcoin fixes this. Let's get into the morning roundup. Let's start the morning roundup off right with this one. NASDAQ listed MicroStrategy wary of looming dollar inflation turns to Bitcoin and gold. This was written sometime yesterday by Danny Nelson for Coindesk, and he goes on to say, Publicly traded business intelligence company MicroStrategy said it will invest $250 million dollars of its excess cash in bitcoin, gold and other alternative assets over the next 12 months as a hedge against the United States dollar inflation. CEO Michael Saylor, who unveiled MicroStrategy's new capital allocation strategy on July the 28th earnings call, said the weakening US dollar is no longer a tenable place to park MicroStrategy's sizable cash reserves. Oh, the firm is sitting on t- 500 million, so they're going to invest half of it. Holy shit. Near-zero interest rates, infinite helicopter money, and the specter of coming inflation are all forces, Sailor said, are chipping away at the dollar. "Quote, it wouldn't be prudent," quoting Bush, I guess, "to continue to hold a large portion of United States dollars in the current environment." He said. While USD yield has effectively gone negative, Bitcoin, gold, and silver have been gaining strength, even if they may prove more volatile havens. Sailor said. He said. Bitcoin's 21 million hard cap bolsters the cryptocurrency's appeal as an inflation hedge. Quote, it makes sense to shift our treasury assets into some investments that can't be inflated away, Sailor said. Sailor indicated that his Bitcoin revelation came after his firm sold the domain voice.com to Crypto Project Block One. Oh God, for 30 million in July 2019. Yeah, well, stay away from EOS if you can do that. Hacker nets over $5 million in Ethereum Classic, 51% attack. New analysis has revealed the recent Ethereum Classic attack was far from a glitch, enabling a double-spend attack worth millions. Alexander Barron's writing this one for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. The recent Ethereum Classic 51% attack was far from an innocent mistake, as some initially suspected, netting the attacker worth more than $5 million in stolen funds. What's more, the hacker only spent $200,000 to do it. Oh, the cost of entry. Bitquery, A blockchain data intelligence firm released analysis today, breaking down the steps the attacker took to pull off the 51% attack against the Ethereum Classic blockchain over the weekend. Those steps reveal careful planning and an intimate knowledge of the Ethereum Classic blockchain architecture, allowing the multi million dollar export to be completed without immediately alerting alerting blockchain watchers and requiring several days to be uncovered. In essence, the hacker sent ETC from an exchange to his own wallets, then back to the exchange on the original ETC blockchain. Using more than 51% of available ETC hash power, the attacker then mined thousands of blocks some containing transactions sending ETH to other wallets he also controlled instead of back to the exchange. Finally, the attacker broadcast his malicious blocks, causing a reorganization of the blockchain that replaced real blocks with those created by the attacker. The hacker spent more than 12 hours sending ETC to the exchange to be sold or converted into other currency. After the offending blocks were reorganized into the ETC blockchain, the ledger showed that those transactions sending ETH or ETC from wallets back to the exchange never happened, instead remaining in the hacker's possession. These double-spend exploits are the reason 51% attacks could be so catastrophic for blockchains that are meant to be immutable. Bitquery analysis indicates that the hacker spent less than $200,000 to perform the malicious mining using hash power from the nice hash provider, Dagger Hashimoto. Or Hashimoto. And chain.ai CEO Victor Fang also confirmed for BitQuery that OKX was the exchange likely targeted by the double spend attack. Decrypt reported on earlier analysis by head of developer relations at the Ethereum Classic Cooperative Yaz Kuri indicating the apparent 51% attack in Chain Reorg could have been the result of unique circumstances where a minor lost internet connection then submit more blocks than the true chain could manage due to the large mining pool being offline for maintenance. Whether the attacking miner had knowledge of these circumstances or just caught a lucky break is not yet confirmed. Corey also contributed to the follow-up Bitquery analysis. Corey is this guy's name, by the way, in case you're wondering. What. Anyway, uh, any 51% attack is a troubling sign for the cryptocurrency industry, but the public nature of distributed ledgers and meticulous sleuthing by blockchain watchers may offer hope that exploits will rarely go undiscovered for long. So, yeah, they're talking about that, that hack that occurred on the ETC chain, which is sad. I mean, but I mean, honestly, ETC is not all that well used. Uh, You know, full disclosure here. I think I still have some ETC chilling out in a hardware in my, in my old ledger or something like that. Um. So you, you'd think that you would, what, the reason I'm stating that is that you'd think something like this would send everybody to go just completely market dump all of their ETC in a moment and just be done with it. Yeah, that I'm not, you know why I'm not going to do that? Because I'm, I'm a little lazy, but honestly, it's not worth it. It's, It's not worth my time anymore. I don't give a shit. So when you look and say, well, God. You know, why on earth didn't this thing just go crash right to zero? It's because people like me don't care. I don't care about ETC. I don't care about Ether. I, I just don't. My apathy towards these chains can be interpreted in on a chart for, C. it's going to be just fine. No, it's not going to be just fine. You know how I know? Because Ethereum Classic is hit by a second 51 attack in a week. This is Liam Frost writing for Decrypt.co. This was today, okay? This is written today, August the 6th. A hacker managed to reorg over 4,000 blocks again on Ethereum Classics blockchain, according to Bitfly. Just a week after the last massive 51% attack, Ethereum Classic is yet again under siege today as an unknown party has reorged at least 4000 blocks in the chain. According to BitFly, the company behind mining pool Ethermine, Ethereum Classic developers urged all ETC services to significantly raise confirmation times on all deposits and incoming transactions. The network saw a sharp and sudden influx of new computing power today, spiking the mining difficulty from around 56 to over 98 tera hashes, data from mining-focused Platform 2 miners showed. Since blockchains usually strive to consistent or constantly retain the same time intervals between blocks, 10 minutes in the case of Bitcoin, for example, they automatically increase or lower the difficulty of discovering new blocks to match the current hash rate. Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin suggested that ETC developers should just switch to proof-of-stake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you see a pattern forming, uh, you're probably not wrong Uh, and not on raw compute power using ETC's current proof of work algorithm. So Vitalik just hit hit the actual tweet says ETC uh, should just switch to proof of stake, even given its risk averse culture at this point, making the jump seems lower risk than not making it. That's the direct quote from Vitalik Buterin over there at the Etherhead guys. A 51%... Okay, I'm not going to read you that because we've already gone through what it is. All right, so if you if you don't know what it is, go back. <clears throat> Sorry, I got interrupted. Uh, let's see, where were we? Yeah, not going to describe the 51% attack. Continuing on, among other things, this allows hackers to override and cancel their transactions, making it seem like they never happened and spend their coins several times. As Decrypt reported... Ethereum Classic suffered a massive 51% attack just days ago as the hacker reorged the blockchain with his own malicious blocks by August the 1st, replacing the legitimate ones. At that time, the attacker snatched over 800,000 ETC worth around $5.6 million. To do so, he, re- he paid about 17.5 BTC or about $204,000 for the compute power used in the attack. So this isn't... This is becoming a little bit weird. So I'm going to tinfoil hat this son of a bitch all the way down the alley. I think it's Ethereum. I do. I think it's the people behind Ethereum. And I think what they're doing is that they're they're trying to crush ETC because they know that ETC will be the beneficiary in some way, shape, form, factor, or whatever of all the miners when these dudes decide to go ahead and do proof of sharding or stake or whatever. Whatever it is that they got planned, and i was talking about that that yesterday it's like they're giving the finger to all the people that have secured that chain for years and years and years and they've just given them straight up the finger and told them piss off well it doesn't t- i mean it, it you, you don't have to be an idiot or i'm sorry you don't have to be a freaking rocket scientist to figure out that they know that these guys are not going to stop mining. And they also know they are not set up for the SHA-256 algorithm, which means that they can't just switch over to a Bitcoin mining pool. They're stuck. And there's only one thing that they can do because they're not going to stop mining. They built their businesses around this. They have business models. They have loans. They have, they have bankers to answer to. They've got other people to answer to. They're trying to make money for their family. And they just got been, they've been given the finger for the last, what, two years, this has been telegraphed out of the Ethereum crowd <clears throat> that this was going to happen and that it, like I said, n- not a rocket scientist to figure out that these guys are going to just, they're going to end up collapsing into either ETC or Ethereum Classic and the, the miners of today of ETH if proof of stake occurs, they're going to combine. That's what's going to happen. Now, I don't know whose chain is going to, I would imagine well, actually, I can't imagine. It's either going to be ETC or it's going to be the Ethereum chain as it is right now, which would include, include the DAO hack history of it. But in either event, I fully believe that this is straight up out of Ethereum people trying to get this done. I mean, honestly, think about it. Just think about it. They can't have, this is a, this is a huge loose thread for the Ethereum folk. And I've I've just seen a shift in the way that they're talking. I've seen a shift in the the amount of information. Well, not information, but yeah, like a social media interaction that they're you know, that they're either putting out there or getting back. Uh, there's there's a change in the air, and then all of a sudden, the Ether Classic chain or Ethereum Classic chain gets hacked twice in a week. Right, so. On another tinfoil alley direction, I could say that it's some nefarious third party that wants to make it look like Vitalik and crew are doing this. I think that somehow or another, this, all this shit is connected, is all I'm really saying here. Because this just is, I don't know, No, like I said, my apathy towards Ethereum Classic is so great that my first reaction was to go crack a beer and not pull out my hardware wallet, send all my ETH Classic to uh, Kraken or something like that, and then, you know, dump it on the market and market buy Bitcoin for it. So since that was not my first reaction, I guarantee you there's a lot of people that are holding Ethereum Classic. Don't give a shit, right? So anyway, I there's something about this. That it doesn't feel right is what I'm really getting at. This doesn't feel right. This feels too close to the bone for it to be just some rando, you know, guy figuring out. Well, today I'll, I think I'll just spend two hundred thousand dollars and see if I can get five million. I and and two, you know, two attacks, you know, following each other. I don't, man, just this is—it's a shit show. The circus <clears throat> never ends and the monkeys never die. So. We'll just have to continue to watch this, but I I suspect that more chicanery is is on the horizon. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, let's do this continuation of uh, the the Dave Portnoy story. I re- I covered it a little bit yesterday, but this is an actual uh, news story from the Daily Hodel staff, clearly writing for the Daily Hodel sometime yesterday. Bitcoin billionaires to pitch cryptocurrency to influential day trader Dave Portnoy. So let's see what they've come up with on this whole story. Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, the twins who founded crypto exchange Gemini in 2014, have agreed to explain the concept of Bitcoin to barstool sports CEO and highly influential day trader Dave Portnoy, also known as Davey Dave. Was it Davey Day Trader Global? Something like that? Yeah, well, in a new video posted on Twitter, Portnoy tells his 1.7 million followers that he has no idea how the crypto king works. Quote, I don't know how to buy Bitcoin. I don't want to get one of those wallet things where you need like a passcode that has like, oh, you need Martian language and 16 hieroglyphs and your cousin's aunt's maiden name has to be spelled backwards. And you got to hide that thing under the cushion. If you lose it or someone takes it, it's just, you know, gone End quote. Portnoy also says that while he's an early BTC investor, he has no clue how to access his holdings. That's bullshit. I ain't call bullshit. Quote, I spent 20 grand. It's just sitting in the ether. It's probably like a little fucking teenage boys running around with my Bitcoin right now. So that's why I don't want to do Bitcoin because I don't want to fucking understand it. If you could tell me I could put in Bitcoin as symbols, I'd buy it on a stock exchange. But I don't understand the wallet and the coin. I don't get it, In quote. To help him understand Bitcoin, Portnoy says the Winklevi will, will come by to his office and make a pitch. Quote, I want both the Winklevi. Uh, I want them in their little rowing outfits. Oh, cringe. I want them sitting in this chair and be like, this is how you do it. Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss have both accepted the invitation. The outspoken Bitcoin critic appears to be softening his stance on the largest cryptocurrency. Let's do it. I want to buy all the Bitcoins. Oh, yeah. and We had a whole cringe factor from Roger Ver on that last uh, tweet that he made on that one. I won't get into that one. Um, I don't believe for a second that Dave Portnoy does not know about any of this stuff. I don't believe for a second that Dave Portnoy actually hates Bitcoin. I think Dave Portnoy is running an agenda on marketing. That's what I think Davy Day Trader Global's doing. So there's that one now. Let's do this one. Bitcoin delirium makes a reappearance while risk assets surge. Now, this one's from uh Amina Saad out of Bloomberg, nonetheless. This was also yesterday. <clears throat> the largest cryptocurrency is surging again, while other risk-on assets such as stocks approach record highs, and even gold hits fresh daily mi- milestones. After briefly exceeding $12,000 over the weekend for the first time in a year, before experiencing a flash crash that pushed it almost back to $10,000, Bitcoin is quickly reapproaching that higher level. "Quote: This is probably the ultimate in momentum-based asset,"s says Mark Malley, chief market strategist at Miller Tobacco and Company. "Quote: The best thing." that can happen right now is if you go back down and successfully test that support level and bounce off that you get a kind of move and it's going to be very bullish in quote bitcoin hit its peak in late 2017 when it reached nearly twenty thousand dollars before crashing it has fluctuated significantly since the contra- controversial digital alternative tr- tr- to traditional money garnered some extra attention this week. After Equity Day Trader Dave Portnoy, God, <laughs> the founder of Barstool Sports, tweeted that he's ready to learn about Bitcoin and invited crypto advocates Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss to explain it to him. Jesus, just see that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about, man. Davey Day Trader as a meme. Is now infiltrated all the way up the ranks into Bloomberg. Ah, Amazing. Japan has no plans to deregulate Bitcoin trading, says FSA chief. Matthew DeSalvo writing this one yesterday for Decrypt.co. The financial services agency's new commissioner today said that there is no need to promote cryptocurrencies, but work on CBDC is a must. The new head of Japan's financial watchdog today said that there should be more focus on central bank digital currencies rather than the promotion of cryptocurrencies not pegged to fiat, such as Bitcoin. Ryozo Himino, who was appointed as the new commissioner of Japan's financial service agency last month, said deregulation of digital assets like Bitcoin may not help technical innovation in a Wednesday interview with Reuters. He told the news agency that if deregulation increases speculative trading, it wouldn't be worth it. adding that the FSA was not thinking of taking special steps to promote cryptocurrencies, but Jimino did praise the country's enthusiasm for developing a CBDC. Of course. He told Reuters that the country, however, should think hard before issuing a central bank digital currency because of the potential merits and demerits of doing so. You mean there's an upside and a downside to everything in life? (laughs) Say it ain't so. A central bank-issued digital currency, for example, would offer the country more flexibility in its monetary policies. Though such currencies have been decried by privacy proponents as potentially overly invasive, the new chief financial regulator added that Japan should be ready to issue a CBDC and continue research as the coronavirus pandemic could lead to a cashless society. Himino last year chaired the G20 debate on regulating cryptocurrencies. Japan is one of many countries around the world racing towards creating a digital version of national currency controlled by a central bank. Last month, the central bank's department director general, Takeshi Kimura, said talks of a digital yen have moved beyond the preparatory stage. He added that a CBDC is a top priority for the country. Japan faces competition from China, which is by far the most advanced country in terms of digital currency development. According to the Bank of International Settlements, more than 80% of central banks around the world are also working on or at least researching CBDCs, which are thought to speed up financial transactions and be a possible cash replacement. Watch out. It is coming. I took my kids to Michael's, which you don't know if you don't know what Michael's is, it's a huge or shopping mall or whatever for art shit. If you want to get paint, model airplanes, you know, crap that you have to dust off in your house every, you know, month or so, and then wonder why the hell you traded fiat for it. Anyway, on the sign or on the poll right by the register was a sign that said, uh, this is, we're not not taking cash because it's gonna, uh, it has the potential to transmit the virus, the coronavirus specifically. So they're, they're, they went, they're kind of cashless. You have to pay, you have to pay by uh by credit card, at least at the one that I went to, not sure about all the other ones, but the one I went to, you're not paying in cash. This is a problem. Thankfully, Bitcoin and OpenDime solves that problem because you can put Bitcoin on an OpenDime, verify it at a cash register. If you have a M5 stack running the appropriate shit and can find out what the last block was You'll know exactly what the hell's on that open diamond. You can use it as cash. Yep That's right people. You can use it as cash. All right, let's do some let's roll some numbers Indices major indices Meh, yeah, it's just, eh, and it's 1030 right now, central uh, daylight time on the 6th of August, so you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the market's been open for, wait a minute, let me me make sure that I'm not seeing shit, okay? Let let me refresh here. Yeah, meh, complete and utter meh, S&P 500 is down negligibly. NASDAQ down even less than negligibly. Dow Jones is uh, I don't know up zero point zero five. Footsie's down a ah, point and a third. Nikkei's down a half. Hang Seng's down a half. I I'm, I'm telling you man, it just there's nothing going on in the markets except every bond yield has decreased except for the Japan ten year bond. It's going to cost you exactly half a percent to hold that ten year German bund. That's right. I I like investment vehicles that cost me money to hold. I, I love that idea. That's a that's a great idea. Oil is down just a hair, uh point zero nine percent to the downside, leaving West Texas intermediate at forty two dollars and fifteen cents a barrel. Natural gas continues its run at two and a half percent to the upside. You're now paying two point oh well, like two and a quarter. For uh, one MCF of natural gas, gold continues its rise, 0.7% to the upside. Finishing out, or its last rather, was $2,065. Silver is having a heyday. It's almost up 5%, $28.17. So let's talk about real money here. Bitcoin at (laughs) 11819 I woke up, oh, never mind. We'll get into it later. The low is going to be over at HitBTC at 11831 No, wait, that's not the low. The low, the the price I just read you is the low. 11819 bucks is the low. Our high is over at bit asset at $11,875. 325,500 transactions remain in the last 24 hours, giving us roughly around 13,500 transactions on average per hour. Just a little over 1 million BTC have been sent in that round, and that gives us an average BTC count sent being sent per hour of 45,500. Average transaction value is 3.35 BTC, or about 40,000 bucks. Median transaction value is 0.055 BTC. That's 650 dollars. Block times have uh, stable, well, not stabilized. That's not that's a stupid word to use for block time. It's right now hovering at around 10 minutes and 4 seconds. We have 1.3 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, and a oh, 190 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Difficulty has dropped 4%, and we are at 114.7 exahashes per second. Let's see. Ethereum is at 422 cents. Bcash is at 312. BSV. Is at 239.50. Litecoin is at 60 bucks, guys. Ethereum Classic uh, took a hit, but it's still at like $7.25. I'm telling you, the fact that it wasn't just a rush to the exits means that there's a lot of people that do not give a shit because they didn't take the time to go sell all their crap. So, whatever. One Doge is 0.0035 cents and at 51,000. Transactions in the last 24 hours. The Doge network is well, pretty much dragging Ethereum Classic through the mud, walking all up and down Litecoin, and making Bcash its little bitch. Let's look at bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard. The mempool, or well, Clark Moody, whatever mempool he's looking at, is registering 31,792 transactions, which will take 49 blocks to clear. The market price he's showing for Bitcoin is 11,860. Let's look at Lightning. It's 971 and a half Bitcoin giving us 11.5 million dollars of liquidity spread across 7,324 nodes representing 36,481 channels bump in TOR, we have 435.5 BTC in the TOR network or the TOR side of the lightning network. And that puts us at 44.8% of TOR capacity. And that is stable on 2135 nodes that we can see. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We'll kick it off. We turn her right, writing for Cointelegraph sometime. Oh, well, I guess late last night. Bitcoin and S and P five hundred no longer correlated, says Matty Greenspan. The uh, the quantum economics founder said that there was. Only ever a loose correlation between crypto markets and the S&P 500 during the pandemic. God, these there's some short time scales to be looking at here, people, to make calls on, but let's go ahead. Crypto analyst Maddie Greenspan says the correlation between crypto assets and the S&P 500 has fallen significantly since the dramatic sell-offs in tandem early in the pandemic. In the August 5th Quantum Economics newsletter, Greenspan stated that BTC and crypto are once again able to claim independence from the traditional markets. However, the analyst also added that even during the early stages of COVID-19, roughly March through May, the markets were never more than loosely correlated. The following chart represents Bitcoin's correlation with the S&P 500 on a range of 1, perfect correlation, and -1, inverse correlation. And right now, we're apparently it's looking at the graph. The whole thing is it has hovered between point I don't know point three five uh, to the upside and a low of I don't know point two five to the negative. So it's kind of like I mean, if his chart's right, then it's you know been very loosely correlated from January twenty eleven all the way through. Uh, this year. Now we had we did hit a spike of 0.6 according to this to the upside which means that we were I don't know, I guess it means 60% correlated with the S&P 500. It, but it's not like honey badger really gives a shit. Continuing, quote, we can clearly see earlier this year where the correlation spiked up to 0.6 due to the multi-asset Early pandemic sell-off by now, however, we're once again below 0.2, which basically means that there is no correlation on a day-to-day basis anymore, In quote. Despite these market trends seemingly diverging, Greenspan said there was at least one common factor driving both stock and digital assets, the Federal Reserve. Quote, during periods when the, Fred fed, the, Fred, the fed prints money, it sends prices upward in all markets, he said. Greenspan stated in an August 2nd interview that he believed the bull market is back. On uh, July the 22nd, Gemini Crypto Exchange co-founder Tyler Winklevoss stated in a tweet that the Fed was continuing to set the stage for Bitcoin's next bull run with further stimulus spending as of writing. The price of Bitcoin is approaching $11,800, having risen almost 5% in the last 24 hours. This surge comes amidst uh, expectations that the United States government will announce a second stimulus package on August the 7th. Democratic leaders are pushing for a $3.4 trillion package while Republicans are advocating for one worth $1 trillion. And it doesn't matter which one we get. They are both bad, right? They're, They're just both bad. And also I heard whispers on the grapevine today that they are not probably going to get strike a deal on Friday. Okay, so that's uh, August the 7th is tomorrow, and that would be Friday. Men behind $100 million illegal ICO disappear into the fog. Who would have guessed? Robert Stevens, writing for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday, continues. The co-founders of the Status Network, which raised $100 million, in an ICO can't be located and angry investors are calling on a court to help. If you had just fricking listened to all the maximalists, you would not be in this boat. Instead of pointing your finger at us, maybe you should listen to us and stop your bitching. The co-founders of Status Network whom angry investors allege misled them into a $100 million IC- oh, 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 oh. Excuse me, are nowhere to be found. Counsel, from firm Selendi and Gay PLLC and Roche Serialink Friedman LLP filed a letter to a New York court on Monday saying that they had undertaken exhaustive efforts to find Jared Hope and Carl Bennett's oh he's got my last name well kind of I don't have an s on the end of my name co-founders of Status a software development company that builds web3 apps including a decentralized chat app and web browser The letter states that investors are concerned that the status uh, co-founders may attempt to disappear into the fog of internet obscurity. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, The investors filed the original complaint against Hope and Bennett's in April. They allege that the network's $100 million ICO in 2017 was an unregistered security sale and thus illegal. The lawsuit argues that status misled investors by saying its SNT token was a utility network token and not subject to United States securities law. The investors want their money back, plus damages. Good luck. Hope is the co-founder and CEO of Status. He was responsible for putting the sale together. Bennett's is its co-founder and chief communications officer. He was responsible for promoting the sale. Now they're nowhere to be found. And the investors, lawyers have requested that the judge require Hope and Bennett's to pay attention to the case. Yeah, I'm sure that's gonna happen. Both Hope and Bennett's are on Twitter. Hope is very active while Bennett's tweets are protected. Bennett's lists his location as Zug, Switzerland, and this was retweeted by Hope. And it's a a, a Twitter thing, uh, a a tweet out of Twitter's or status Twitter's, which is at ETH status. It says, stay private. Use status. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their exact whereabouts, however, unknown. Well, I guess status works. The Investors' Council has spent significant resources fruitlessly clicking around social media sites, blog posts, corporate records, and government registries to find them. They wrote in a letter to the court. They even hired a private investigator to track them down. Quote, notwithstanding these diligent efforts, plaintiff has been unable to discern an address for either individual defendant. The investors can't even work out where status is. The company is registered in Zug, Switzerland, but they're unsure... Whether Status's address for service of process in Zug, Switzerland hosts any physical office space or employees, or whether it is simply a corporate mailing address, also retweeted by Hope, and this is, he's retweeting Thomas Sal says, and Thomas Sal's tweet says, the least productive people are usually the ones who are most in favor of holding meetings. That was on July 20th. Honestly, I don't know why they're putting it in here, but whatever. A spokesman for status declined to comment on the matter to decrypt. The spokesman declined to say whether he had himself spoken to the co-founders. The lawsuit against status was filed in April as part of the so-called red wedding batch of class action complaints. <laughs> Oh, wow. The 42 investors from over a dozen countries, all represented by the same New York law firm, Roche, Serialink, Friedman, in April, launched 11 suits against Binance, Block One, BitMEX, and others, all alleging that investors were misled into buying unregistered securities collectively. The lawsuit seeks damages over billions of dollars worth of blockchain-based tokens sold in ICOs. You're not going to get shit you're not even if you catch all these people and drag them before all these courts you ain't recouping one percent of the fiat that you spent on this shit and this honestly this is why bitcoin i don't have to worry about this german police seized 30 million dollars in crypto from streaming site operator this one is marie huliot writing for cointelegraph sometime early this morning One of the main operators of the now-shuttered streaming site Movie2k.to has forfeited over $30 million worth of crypto to German police. Well, at least these guys got theirs. After a lengthy joint investigation with the American FBI, German police have seized over €25 million worth of cryptocurrency associated with this site. Shuttered in spring of 2013 due to copyright infringement concerns, the site's two main operators are accused of having distributed over 880,000 pirated copies of films together with their accomplices via the site between the fall of 2018 and the spring of 2013. That should probably be reversed. They have been charged with operating an illegal streaming service which enabled users to pay or watch pirated films without downloading them. Uh, One of the two who worked as the site's programmer has been in police custody since November of 2019. Damn. On August the 3rd, the Dresden Police Prosecutor's Office, supported by the State Criminal Police Office in Saxony and the Leipzig Tax Investigation Department, announced that the programmer had cooperated in forfeiting over 25 million euros worth of Bitcoin and Bcash since mid 2012. The two main operators are alleged to have used profits from advertising fees on movie2k.to and subscription revenue to buy large amounts of Bitcoin. The site's programmer is alleged to have acquired in excess of 22,000 BTC from this or from this later using the crypto primarily to acquire various uh, properties via Berlin real estate firm. He also, reportedly under suspicion of commercial money laundering in connection with his activities as a real estate entrepreneur in Berlin, tracing and identifying the associated Bitcoin was reportedly carried out through joint investigative work between the German Federal Criminal Police Office and the FBI. The four-footed Bitcoin has been seized as damage reparation by the public prosecutor after their voluntary release by the defendant. The programmer has now comprehensively confessed to the charges and is reported to be supporting law enforcement authorities in their further investigations into the second main operator who remains on the run probably with hope and bennett so they're probably partying in somewhere as german newspaper der spiegel has reported movie 2k was alongside kino.to and Neo.to, one of the world's leading platforms for the distribution of illegal pirated movies for years. In 2012, the main founder and operator of Kino.to was sentenced to a prison term of up to four and a half years. My question, how come his hardware wallet was not on the bottom of the ocean? That, I mean, honestly, boating accidents fix this. Blockstream's Adam back slams Ethereum as a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, Adam Back and Vitalik Buterin are basically in the uh in a cage match or at least they were. I don't know if they still are, but let's let's get into it. Martin Young writing it for Coin Telegraph 11 hours ago, Crypto tribalism shifts up a gear with Bitcoin pioneer Adam Back lashing out at Ethereum. Computer scientist and Blockstream CEO Adam Back has compared Ethereum and other high-cap altcoins to Ponzi schemes in a Twitter tirade today. Quote, Bitconnect Charles Ponzi, Ethereum, OneCoin, Cardano, Ripple, Bernie Madoff, Stellar, Dan Larimer, or it should have been Larimer, all looking very similar grade to me. Charles Ponzi and Bernie Madoff are two of the most famous creators of Ponzi schemes, while BitConnect and OneCoin are famous cryptocurrency projects that were revealed to be Ponzi's. Back likened such schemes to altcoins, Ethereum, Ripple, and Stellar, along with Dan Larimer, Presumably, a reference to BitShares and Steam creator Dan Larimer. Back's swipe came in a dialogue with TV journalist Leah Hilprin, who asked whether he thought Ethereum was a scam or if it added value to the ecosystem in terms of dApps. Back responded simply, Well, 70% pre mine says it all. <laughs> Which would you say is a bigger scam, Ripple or Ethereum? Ethereum co founder Vitalik Buterin hit back, calling Back's views tired old propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vitalik's tweet says, reciting tired old pop propaganda is becoming less and less effective every day. Ethereum is rising, proof of stake and sharding are rising, and roll-ups are here, although a large distributed ecosystem working in parallel. The tides of history will not be favorable to maximalism. Okay. It is not the first time that the hash cash proof of work inventor has taken a swing at Ethereum In another tweet exchange in November of last year, he compared Ethereum to the now-defunct biotech startup Theranos, which created a fake medical machine. Yeah, Rube Goldberg. Back argued that management went too far in overselling what it could do while misrepresenting the state of the tech, adding that Theranos was uncannily (laughs) Ethereum-like. The computer scientist has been a Bitcoiner from the beginning and has been linked with Bitcoin founder Satoshi Nakamoto several times. He once reportedly claimed to have had a beer with him in London, although I doubt Beck probably knew who he was. Well, it's not difficult to imagine there could be a link between the rapid rise of the Ethereum price this month amid excitement over the DeFi project and a revival of crypto tribalism from Bitcoin true believers. Since the beginning of the year, ETH prices have more than doubled, with the majority of that gain being over the past month. Bitcoin has also gained in price, but not as much. The momentum for Ethereum has been driven by the hope that the long-awaited first phase of ETH 2.0 shift to a proof-of-stake content- consensus will be launched within months. Two weeks. If successful, Ethereum will eventually be able to process exponentially more transactions than Bitcoin. So, I guess we know where Martin Young's loyalties lie. Eh, it doesn't really matter. I said it yesterday, shitcoins aren't going away. I don't like them. I don't think you should put your money in them, but most of this is just bullshit. And even people who are not out to actually scam your ass to death and beat you over the head with it, they're still making things like Ethereum, which is there's there's so many pipes in that thing, it's so easy to plug up the drain. And DeFi hacks are happening all the time. You've got the DAO hack, you've got... I can't remember the name of the wallet. Uh, it got hacked a couple of years after the Dow hack, and I mean, it's just this continual shit show. It just makes me wonder how much bullshit the human, uh, the human heart can put up with before just bailing the hell. Out. It do, it doesn't matter, I guess. Um, yeah, I I kind of wish back wouldn't you know wade into this kind of stuff, but I mean he's been there before. He'll, he'll be there again. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and skip, uh, today's daily train wreck, uh, simply because I, I just don't think I'd come up with anything better than Vitalik Buterin saying, reciting tired old propaganda is becoming less and less effective every day. That whole exchange that he's having with Adam Back. That's pretty, I mean, the whole thing is pretty damn cringe. So I'm just going to leave it alone. We shall, however, do Terrible Joke Corner with Dad Says Jokes. Who says, today I saw a dwarf climbing down a prison wall. I thought to myself, that's a little condescending. leave that. We'll just leave that where it is. Um, okay. Uh, I have something to ask all of you guys that are listening. My sister goes in for surgery today to fix the broken ankle that occurred in Colorado, which I told that story a a few episodes ago, so I won't rehash it. It's a, uh, it's not that her foot's broken. It's that her ankle is broken, which is a bitch of a break. It's like breaking your elbow, breaking your shoulder. It's like anywhere where you break a joint It sucks. Okay, so she is right now. It's 11:09 Central Daylight Time. She's gonna go into surgery at two o'clock Central Daylight Time. If I get this out and you hear it, and it's before two o'clock, would you say some prayers for my sister in being able to, you know, just get through the surgery and that everything goes well? If you hear this after three o'clock, because that's about when, or four o'clock, because that's about how long the surgery takes, is a couple of hours. Uh, pray for recovery, and well, actually, everybody pray for recovery. If you if you would, I I would I would see it as a personal favor. I know prayer works. I mean, I know not all of you guys are Christians and stuff, and that's fine. I have no freaking problem. My wife is Buddhist; she doesn't believe in this, and that's. Totally fine. We have two children together. I mean, it, my oldest is 10, so we've done something right, you know, and she's never really been all into the whole Christian thing. But I, I do believe that, you know, the, my view of God is the force behind the universe. The, you know, I, I have no problem with somebody saying, well, that's not a God. That's just the energy that created the universe. You say potato, I say potato. I, I, I'm good with that. I'm not going to thump a Bible at your ass and say, you're going to go to hell because you don't believe in God. And you know what? That kind of shit's a waste of everybody's time. But for, so even if you don't believe in God, not a Christian, prayer's not your thing, whatever entity that you look toward, if you look toward anything being responsible for the creation of the universe, pray to that thing. Or go wash your car and hope for rain. That's what I always say. One of these days when I get Bitcoin rich, I'm going to buy a permanent billboard that says, pray for rain, atheist, wash your car. Because rain's that important and it doesn't matter how you get there. What's important here is I'd like to see my sister get through the surgery, have everything fixed and have a fast, speedy and healthy recovery. If you would help me do that by sending out positive vibes, prayers, whatever be greatly appreciated. It really would, because again, ankle breaks, nasty, nasty little bastards, man. With all that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.